Hello, hello, hello. Bradley here, and welcome back to Inner Outside. So this episode, Sandra and I sat down to talk a little bit about our experiences with meditation. Uh, we cover some things like what are some misconceptions we see around it, how did we come to it in the first place, and whether or not meditation is a thing that always has to be spiritual and or religious. Um, it was an absolute blast to record this episode because it's something we talk about away from the mic all the time anyway. And so we are just so happy to invite you guys into our little world. Enjoy. Because the inner outside is a turn. We're not sure in there. Well, we would have to do this. We don't know. definition of, of meditation says to focus one's mind for a period of time in silence or with the aid of chanting for spiritual or religious purposes or as a method of relaxation. I feel like both of us have concentrated on the the silent option, yeah, right? The, or have the, you chanted no, in your meditation practice? I have never. Okay. I, I have, have never, also not chanted. Um, I believe I have there was one time when I was in a monastery in um, in Thailand and we did this thing where we were, I think, walking and we were supposed to be saying a chant with like every step. So we would like say this mantra mm. and then we would take a step and we would repeat the mantra and take a step. And then we would do that and we would turn around when we got to the end of the room and take a step and repeat the mantra again. And to be honest, I found it fairly ineffective for me. Okay. It was basically it was it was ex to me it was exactly what it sounded like. I repeated something silently in my head and then took a step, and that was it. And I did that for forty five minutes, and I I can see the value I guess in the fact that it sort of distracts you mm. from doing other things. But I don't really see the value in well in like an introspective sense. But that's that's something that we that's could get your to. experience. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Almost every definition of meditation that you come mm. across mm. is going to immediately reference spirituality and religion. That's true. And I think yeah. for many people, it immediately makes them think that this is not for me. I think a lot of people are going to yeah, come across this the word. Yeah, this is going to lead me, like someone's trying to lure me down a path of, yeah. of things that I don't believe in. Yeah. Actually, filled with things I don't believe. I in. have been in a, a youth group, and a youth group is just like a Christian, a Christian youth group. I've been as well. Oh, was it also religious or like? Yes, I've nature? been. I've been introduced into the traditional religion of my, well, my culture. If you want to, like, is that see Roman that? Like, Catholic? It's an, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm, I'm a Lutheranian, like Christian. Okay. Not actually, like I, I, I don't agree with what I just said. I am not that, but I've been baptized in that fashion and I've been uh, I've been brought up in that fashion and I've Are been your parents Luther Lutheranian? My Lutheran? mother Lutherans. left the church and my dad is also not he's not going to church or mm -hmm. he's not He's not practicing. That, not at all, but okay. he's still like he's still in the church for a very specific reason, which is not interesting here, but It is. Uh, it actually it is interesting because yeah. I want to ask you then, okay, 
in this environment, the Lutheran vi- environment, yeah, or way around yeah. your parents, yeah. did yeah. you ever come across the term meditation? No. Okay, that was that no. was exactly what I wanted to, to get to. So it is interesting because I also going to some youth groups growing up in the mm, US mm. where Christianity is, yeah. is very is, is still very popular. I remember that the question did come up only once yeah. um, to our youth pastor. Yeah. And it, the question was asked, well, what about this thing we hear of called meditation? And I remember very clearly that his answer was, that is dangerous. And that you shouldn't meditate because when you meditate, you're opening up your mind and you're lowering your defenses. And that allows the possibility of the devil or for bad ideas to get inside. And if you don't meditate, if you go and meditate, like, for example, with a guru or in a, in a monastery or something, then it's even more dangerous because when you're in this vulnerable state of open-mindedness, and I remember, I remember this very clearly, actually. He said, if when you're in this vulnerable state of open-mindedness, then, then someone could come in and put manipulative ideas in your head, and it's very dangerous, and you, can't, you, you, you need to protect your mind, not go and do some willy-nilly thing like meditate and open it. I remember this. And that was the only time oh, that... that's... Yeah. I feel like that's a great understanding of meditation whilst also being a great, equally great misunderstanding of, med- <laughs> of meditation at the same time. Because yeah. the whole thing about like opening up your mind and realizing how susceptible to, to outside information you are, that's a big part of meditation, right? It, it, it is, it is. They say the first step to solving any problem is admitting there is one, and then yeah. if you kind of extrapolate realizing that, realizing what what the what the real first step is. Yeah, yeah. realize like you know the first step to yeah. to creating a strength would be recognizing the vulnerability. It's it's like it's like going back to I hate I always use tennis analogies here, but if you know if you've got a weak spot in your game, you're going to keep losing points there until you realize. Yeah oh, my backhand's weak, let me practice it. And then you yeah. practice it and it gets better. Yeah. And mindfulness or meditation is yeah. a great example yeah. of that. Yeah. Which then, so then I want to, I do want to ask you, I think, mm. what are some of the, because I just mentioned one for me, but what are some of the misconceptions around meditation that you've come across in your like, in adult myself? life? In myself? Maybe in your life, yeah. or sorry, yeah. maybe in yeah. yourself, yeah. but also maybe in others. Yeah. Or pop, let's, we could call them like pop misconception. Are there any that just are screaming out to you? I would imagine the inside of a, meditate, of a meditating person mm-hmm. to be, the, be very much like a journey that led them to a different realm, to a different world that they would see outlandish things in that meditation, which... I realize that that can be a very far off possibility mm-hmm. in meditation. Mm-hmm. The first step is actually the exact opposite of that. What? You're telling me if I don't go and sit down and meditate, if I sit down and meditate right now, I'm, I'm not going to see dragons and unicorns? I'm not going to get to go on a magical journey? The thing is, I can't promise you you won't. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I, I would love for you to see that. Too. Yeah. You cannot make anything appear or go away. So the mechanism would be that things appear in consciousness mm-hmm. by themselves. They appear and they disappear. Definitely feels like that. And But it, that's coming from you now. And I remember uh, yeah. a position of myself, like not having seen that, not having spent the time and having the patience to actually 
to actually have my mind in slow motion and watch that happen. Interesting. Without without having seen that, I I, I can totally see how how one would agree like disagree with what I just said. Well, what do you? How did you feel like things were appearing in consciousness before? practicing meditation and or like do you, can you clearly say that there's a because you mentioned now okay that being aware of that these things seem to arise and go away outside of your control this is yeah and we can we will probably touch on this but mm. this is of course one of the observations that mm. one obs- mm. observes when meditating yeah um and it's true that now after you know a couple of years of practice down the road it's something i don't even really think about or even question yeah. anymore but yeah. i'm curious do you have then a like where does I can't remember where I used to think my thoughts came from. <laughs> yeah. I don't even yeah. like, I don't know. I'm kind yeah, of confusing yeah. myself right here. Yeah, but I don't... yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's even hard for me now to actually say um, what, what, what it is like. Um, yeah, like I did, right. I did not have a different opinion. I didn't have an opinion at all. Like, I didn't, well I didn't, I didn't, I had no answer to the question because the question wasn't there. So, Where did my I was completely convinced of my authorship over my thoughts. I was completely convinced of the the privacy of my own head. Yeah. So thoughts and emotions that I now know arise as a consequence of past experience uh, mm-hmm. of my physical uh, state they were caused by me and I was to blame or to be celebrated for their so if there were bad thoughts I was to blame and if, if there were <laughs> under my judgment great thoughts I was also mm-hmm. I was I celebrated that as an achievement as an active act of, of having generated something <laughs> <laughs> it seems uh, it seems which is the worst kind of roller coaster you can be on roller coaster is a um, really good way of, of, of because really you are to attached use. to the to the highs and the lows of this whole thing you're actually actively invested in that yeah. um as the author as the one responsible for that whole um that whole product and f- for me that was a hard thing to to go into but it really helped me to slowly realize and that's actually what helped me the most was a was a rational explanation and a uh, um of what was the point of meditating what was the what and starting to understand what the the different well yeah focus points were so yeah. wait, but I want I want to hold you on that tell me a bit more about then so how did you get into? Like how how did you become introduced to meditation? Then like how and you mentioned you just mentioned here that that what really helped you was this rational approach was being able to understand rationally the the impacts that that meditation might have or the the, the, the that, value propositions there. What yeah. was that journey like? Where did this the story begin? Is, so what really helped me progress in meditation okay. was a rational explanation and a, like a context-giving explanation mm-hmm. of certain things. What At that point, though, I, I have been meditating, well, in great 
anguish <laughs> for a long time. Okay. The thing is, like, what, what I really, um, what, what drew me into the whole thing was um, just being forced to deal with, um, with my thoughts and actually having thoughts to an extreme where authorship was so painful mm. and so against everything that I wanted to be author of. So basically the images and the thoughts that I had were so strange and so hard for me to claim that I basically I needed a way out. And I did not realize that meditation actually was even like logically uh, an approach to, to do that. But Then what brought you to it? If you didn't know then, like I understand, like if you didn't know then that it would actually be helpful, why why did you start doing it? Until- I I saw I saw a TED Talk by Andy Puttycomb, who is the founder of Headspace. Okay, yep, I know the app, mm-hmm. and that made me curious. And his whole story made me curious because he really like talks about he literally in his TED Talk talks about that he had to <clears throat> deal with loss in his family. I think. And he felt pain and grief and, and had thoughts to such a degree where he couldn't stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he then went on to go, like he went to to uh, a monastery and and, uh, and he was there and he was even, he's an ordained monk. Um, Very cool. And that drew me into his app and I had great problems with the practice, I it was the, in the Headspace mo- app. Yeah, but it's not their fault. And uh, I had great problem with with the whole like focusing on the breath and li- leaving the realm of thought because I felt like the, it was so out of control. I had to actually uh, my whole attention was there mm-hmm. to actually observe and and not uh, miss anything, which might I was super afraid of of spinning out of control. Mm. And actually, if I didn't pay attention there, I thought I would do something very stupid. Are you saying if you if you are you saying that you found it difficult to do the breathing meditation because you felt that you almost needed to be you needed to be the the, the guardian of my the guardian thoughts. of your thoughts and yeah. and taking a break from them to focus on breathing seemed like well you can't you irresponsible can't, it's irres- irresponsible you, the prison guard the has risk. to stay on duty the yeah. prison guard yeah. can't yeah. go off duty to go sit there and, uh, and just focus on the breath I, I, yeah. I think you're totally not alone there I imagine mm. there are a lot of people out there who maybe they're not aware that that their their thoughts are so damaging or they're not aware of the danger of their thoughts but I know there are some people that genuinely think. And this is a huge misconception by meditation. Mm. They think, oh my God, I don't have time to sit down and just breathe. I can't, I, whether it's. I can't leave my thoughts. I can't leave my thoughts. I can't leave my responsibilities. Yeah, Yeah. there's obviously something more important I need to be thinking about. More important I need to be improving Mm. cognitively, mentally. And that can even be like a super positive thing, right? If you are actually uh, thinking about like uh, how to save a child that is in your hospital as a doctor, right? Then that's of a course. that's a positive intention there. And but, but the point I'm trying to make yeah. here is that even then it is not irresponsible to leave that thought process. Yeah. Okay, so so you you're at a place and and you are not alone here and this is something that I think I, I do remember coming I don't know who said this quote or where this comes from but I know that we tend to it is it is 
common or it is it is often the case that people are are drawn or thrown into um, great personal change either by inspiration or desperation and mm. and yes. this is like the this creator of headspace and and what you've mentioned as well with your own story it seems to be the case we'd like to ideally mm. move forward and progress because of inspiration which yeah. is because you know we are we 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 find something that we, you know we read a book or we but often it's often the case that that it's desperation and it's a a very bad thing that happened a trauma or a, an extreme event the mm. loss of a loved mm. one um an, an intense uh, depression that can lead yeah. us to be like we know okay like you just said we need and by we I mean me myself and I yeah. those inside our head this this little team that's trying to <laughs> make it through life that's yeah. going on up here uh, <laughs> yeah. we need to do something differently mm. this is not sustainable this cannot go even mm. a minute longer and it's that push that tends to push people to make to make a change so it's it's yeah um, to to actually then risk that more and more that's all that like you're 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 actually that that's the funny thing also about this whole thing like me claiming hey i can't leave my thoughts like i can't set them down so i now understand why just sitting down and trying to follow one in-breath and one out-breath with mm-hmm. your attention without being distracted by one thought or 3,000, how that is the first task for, like, weeks. Yeah. But that okay. is the whole logical thing that really uh. got me into meditation, really said, wow, this makes a lot of sense. And then what I realized is the whole point of that is hey, there is a property to be observed inside of what you can observe inside of your consciousness, which you don't control. And you can actually see that you don't control it. Yeah. And then the translation is being made back to thought. And then you can ask the question, do my thoughts follow the same pattern are they also arising without me creating them and am i merely able to observe them just as i have done with the breath and that to me was a revelation to Mm -hmm. understand that but that's that can be one way that it feels. It can feel sort of like a Jesus take the wheel kind of feeling. Like, oh, it's so nice to be able to to step back and not feel like I'm the author of these thoughts that weren't happy or these. You the know, funny the, thing is, just to to add on to that, yeah, I would say that even like the whole Jesus take the wheel mentality is the same movement here which is exploited by Christianity. This is a great point. I actually wanted to mention that earlier when I mentioned this whole, the, the, my, my youth pastor telling me, um, oh, you know, meditation's terrible. Yeah. But then there's, there's, there's a certain sort of meditativeness about the way that the people are supposed to go about following some of the scriptures and following some of these. And I think that that's totally missed is that, yes, some of the most successful religions have utilized a certain sort of meditative practice, which says, you know, clear your mind, calm your mind, you know, say a prayer, 
repeat mm. this prayer and then surrender and realize that you know your thoughts and your wishes and your dreams are not your own it it's 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 dogmatic and it, maybe it's it's sort of um metaphorical so it works for some people that don't have this that don't prefer the logical approach that you took but it is similar and that is interesting to see that and mm. i think that that further um like uh signifies or shows the importance of such a practice if that makes sense like we can see that it's been effective in a religious setting though it was attached to so much dogma and I think that is why Sam Harris actually named his book, you know, Waking Up Spirituality Without Religion, because mm. he's trying to show us that, and of course that's why meditation is highly referenced in the book, he's trying to show us that while religion had, you know, used some of these devices to help its people, we are able to remove the dogma. Mm. Um, and there is still dogma around meditation, which, mm. and there is sort of this sort of a stigma, I should say, around yeah. meditation. But I think that what we're seeing now and what we're, we're here to talk about is that, hey, there's this really cool thing mm. that you can use in a rational, in a secular sense. You can leave the stigma and any sort of dogmatic practices on the yoga mat, mm. and you can take this with you into your bedroom, into your workplace, into your... Um, your daily onto your daily commute and to see some real benefits yeah. without having to mm. take leaps of faith or yeah. you know sign any contracts you know baptize anyone yeah um, or follow any storyline that yeah. you cannot integrate into your uh way of being yeah and the cool thing is that actually like i would say that the, the technique the plain technique can also if you are not ready to let go of the dogmas that you have subscribed to, the mm -hmm. religion that you are deeply yeah. like entrenched in, it is compatible with that. So That's the technique well. the technique itself can be integrated into whatever religion. So yeah. the lifting weights of the sports realm. Yeah. It will benefit you whatever sport, whatever physical sport you choose in, w in whatever discipline you will then try to use it. One really simple way to look at meditation is, yeah, it's not a new narrative, like you mentioned. It's not mm. a new, mm. it's not a new way of thinking. If anything, it's, it's, it's the practice of creating space between you and your thoughts. And that's why it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, an atheist, uh, a Hindu, or, um, a dog, even if dogs were capable of practicing. I mean, like, it wouldn't matter where you come from, whether you, like, if you're a thinking being, you can benefit by these practices that we're mentioning here, no matter which direction or angle you come at them from, which is just the idea of, like, okay, can I create some space from my thoughts? Can I realize that there's a gap there? I think Eckhart Tolle is, is, is famous for mentioning, like, I think we talked about this recently, mm. but he, you know, when he first, when mindfulness really first hit him, I don't, I, I'm, shed, I'm shying away from the word enlightenment because um, many people have mentioned, I think Eckhart Tolle himself has mentioned that enlightenment is not something that you just, that happens to you once and then you're enlightened for the rest of your life. Mm. And I don't want to talk about that here. But he mentioned that his first big moment of mindfulness occurred when, um, when he was like in 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 the despair of his life, right? Yes, thank you. Lying in bed, waiting to die. Lying in bed, waiting to die, and he said, 
I cannot live with myself any longer. And then he realized, yes. wait a second. So who lives can, with whom? Exactly. Who cannot live with me? Who's the person who's fed up with me? And this is goes right back to this whole this desperation that leads us to yeah. this this progression. Yeah. But and that's such I just love that like that story is a great example of of what meditation has to offer for anybody. It's like once you realize, wait a second, who is the person that's who is the who is the person that I'm referring to as I? You know, yeah. someone is referring yeah. to someone as yeah. I, like like Artola yeah. said, and it, yeah. and it's it's starting to create that space, which of course is not easy, and can start with just realizing, like, wait, who is the person breathing right now that I'm observing breathing? And once you can create that space, you can start to lead, like um, move into other areas, and I think that that's just like there's just so much intrinsic value there because that like creating that space means that the fires that rage for this one eye mm. are not immediately burning the second eye, like the, the observer of that. And, and, and I think that having that space I, uh, can help you in every area of life. I know that there was one, my, one of my teachers in Thailand when I stayed at this a place called the Mindfulness Project, actually, and I volunteered there. And Christian, a German fellow, he mm. also lived in a monastery for a year. Um, and he, I remember he told me that he one day asked his teacher, the head monk at the monastery that he stayed at in Konken, I remember the name of the town was, he said, so like, do you still get angry? Do you still have these, because you've been practicing meditation for 50 years, sick, whatever, like your whole mm. goddamn life. Like, so have you just mastered it all now? Mm. Have you figured it all out? And he told me that his teacher told him, no, 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 it's not, it's not that, that I no longer have emotions or have feelings or have thoughts. It's not like I just am, am thoughtless now that I've meditated so long. Yeah. It's just that I can see the thoughts coming from further away, and I can decide with much advanced notice whether or not I want to let these ones in or not. Hmm. And like this is such a, I think he actually used the metaphor of a house and said, like, you know, it, I can, yeah? Isn't it more letting them out? Because the whole exclusion thing I feel like is not because you said well he can decide whether mm. or not he can he will let the let the emotion in well I think that the metaphor to the expanded metaphor yeah. of that was it 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 used um he said like sort of like the house of his mind or and he imagined that it was like you know he, if you can imagine um this old wonderfully wrinkled monk standing at the door mm. of his mental mm. house mm. and the door and he opens the door and he sees mm. running at him the demon of his emotions or some big angry mm. let's assume it's a big angry mm. you know gorilla type emotion in this mm. case anger or like a slinky sort of like you know envy or something mm. like that that's like mm. slipping around down the alleyway i'm just mm. i'm picturing this right now yeah, yeah, nice, <laughs> and nice. and um I'm there and he sort of sees so he sees envy slithering yeah, along or he yeah, sees you yeah. know anger grunting and running at him mm. and he can say like okay i see this i see this coming up and i'm you know i'm not going to let this one rule the day today i'm not going to let it in for i'm not going to have it over for dinner today i see it i'm going to let it run by the house i'm not going to open mm. leave the door open for it to come inside that was the metaphor that that christian shared with me can i offer another house metaphor of course cuz i i really like uh, that but i like to me it makes more sense that actually you can't decide like the house being consciousness, right? Because in your metaphor, the street is consciousness. In my metaphor, the and neighborhood, the house is, the neighborhood is consciousness, in, in and with, the house is yeah. the, the the interaction. 
the affected by state yeah. or yeah. The, the, yeah. the the place yeah. where it's yeah yeah because I, I remember Sam Harris saying saying uh, uh, using a metaphor that is not his mm-hmm. and therefore this is also not mine mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's in that case specifically talking about thoughts mm-hmm. and where you get to a state where thoughts become like thieves entering an empty house. Okay. Um, so in they that can't case, steal anything. Is the... That is correct. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you solved it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But they're still so the inside. Thing is that still, you can, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. entering the house. And in, in your metaphor, I would even say like to merge these together, like th- they are coming in, into the house, but the house is really doesn't give them any, um, doesn't give them any reason to, to stay even. Yeah. It is, uh, it is, I mean, there is no door to the house, which is the whole like things arise without your consent mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. That that's what I would say. Um, so the 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 breaking in act is not that uh, that heroic or doesn't. I've no ability to actually keep them out the house. But what I can do is, uh, well, actually clear the house of things of that might get me wound up. Yeah. And then the consequence of that would be I I uh, I can <laughs> I can smile at the thieves with a laugh and say yeah. What's up? Welcome. <laughs> it was nice to have you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> oh, you again? Third yeah. time this week? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you still? Thieving? You still think this is a good profession for you? Yeah. <laughs> being a thief here. I I actually I love this metaphor and I feel like it's I wonder if it's if it's so clear to me um, uh, <laughs> but I wonder if it's it's because I think that that is how you start to that's the relationship that you actually start to have with your thoughts and your emotions and the, especially the negative ones where yeah. you do start to um, like I can say I'm I'm speaking from personal experience here mm. it, it, you start to get the feeling where it's like okay. Here is this feeling again. Here is this mm. thought again. But it it doesn't it doesn't carry the sort of yeah it doesn't carry the weight. It's exactly what you said. It's the thought is there and it will come again. Something out in the world will trigger it, or some you know past past trauma maybe mm. means that when you like a classic example would be like let's say you went through a really tough breakup and on your way to work you have mm. to drive by your your ex girlfriend's house. Um, this is not a personal example. <laughs> <laughs> or it may, be, may or may not. Let um, it be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's say uh, so. It, it's you're, yeah. And every day on your way to work, you drive by the, your ex girlfriend's house, and this thought that and this every time you see the house, it will trigger a thought, and this thought can immediately then trigger feelings of pain and hurt, or or anger or frustration or, or nostalgia or whatever. And some of these are, are okay, and some of these are can can really ruin your day. And I think that just one way to look at this is that with some, I don't want to say with like a, a, if you're mindful about it, or if there's if you have this sort of meditative space, yeah. the the trigger will be there, the thought will come in, you'll experience this like, oh, okay, I can see now that I'm. I can see how this is welling up in me. I can see how this feeling is coming because I, because of this trigger here, and you can just sort of almost smile and hold and like almost hug that feeling and that sensation, and then 
almost as soon as it came up, it will start to fade away. And that's the important part, because as this, this age-old saying, what you resist persists. Yeah. And I think that that's that subtle difference, is that the thought, the feeling, and everything might still come, might still be there for the non-mindful person, let's say someone who's, let's say, never thought of meditation or anything of the sort ever before, but it will com- they'll be completely at the mercy of whatever that thought and that feeling wants to do to them, Right. Whereas you can start to realize that you don't have to let it run its course, or at least that course that it runs will be much quicker and will cause much less damage. Yeah, because you have sense. predefined the course of that with with the the interior design choices you make inside of your own yeah. mind, yeah. right? Yeah. And, <laughs> like and the best ones are actually, I would say, the best interior design choices for a mental house are space. Not emptiness. That's space. <laughs> space. Space. To you mentioned thing. a. Uh, you mentioned like that. You mentioned the two triggers, which were desperation and inspiration. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you if 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 your source for going into this, because I actually don't know that, mm-hmm. is it one of the two? And if yes, which one? If not, what is it? I think it's. I don't think that the question's as easy to answer in actuality as I will answer it. I think that that's, you know, I think that in some sense, for example, it wouldn't be far-fetched for me to say, oh, in some abstract sense, there was a desperation that led me to, to meditation because there was a desperation in my sense for a greater um, sense of self, a greater, I, you know, I think that, uh, and this was mentioned in our one of our first podcast episodes, where the origin stories of, of who mm. made us where we mm. are, and mm. for our listeners, you can go back and listen to that, um, where I mentioned that it was important to me to refine my mind to the best of its capacity and, and capabilities. Like, that was always mm. important to me. So, of course, when I, as soon as I heard of something called meditation that added more mind power mm. it was it was um it was just irresistible but in that then just to 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 tell you what i make of that yeah. now is you whereas for me the the i needed to get rid of something and you set out to gain something yeah which, which is, in the end really is the same process i would say Especially concerning meditation, because that's exactly what it does. It does both. Yeah, it, it um, the only the only difference is yeah. how we sort of define the word need. Really, you know, it's like what what do we mean when we're mm. when when there's a necessity here mm. or a desperation? You know, like what what exactly is that mm. to to a person? But what I want to actually mention then, because I think more and more like concretely. I think my introduction to meditation actually came with a one-day retreat that my parents took my sister and I on to a Vipassana retreat center so, of somewhere so in I think, cool Central of your California. So cool to yeah. actually give you the chance to see that. Yeah. Well, I think to be honest, I imagine the in- <laughs> I imagine the inspiration came from them wanting to go and meditate for a day in beautiful they Central couldn't California. Couldn't find a babysitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can just see them now reading the pamphlet and they're going, "What? There's a there's That's a, a s- children's room we can put them in where the so let's go so i i i th- i genuinely think that's for inspiration but i do actually i mean and there's so many things we forget so the fact i remember this day means something um i do remember the drive out there i remember it was long i remember sitting in this room with other children i remember being taught what's the age oh my god uh 
I want to say, yeah, I want I want to say it was it was definitely under fifteen, maybe under twelve, mm, even. Okay. But All it right. would have been in the states, so it was after I moved here from Canada, so it was mm. post nine. Okay. So nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in there. Maybe, yeah. And I, I, the only thing to say about that is I do remember, I remember that meditation seemed a lot easier back then. And I, I would love to talk more about this because I think that it's fascinating. So um, but I feel like I remember on that first retreat, which is really, I think, the first time I ever heard of the word and the first time I think I'd ever sat still and followed instructions. But I really feel like I had what some people consider to be like an out-of-body experience as a child on one of my first days of ever sitting down and doing the thing. I'm not saying it's that's what it was, but I just remember that that, that I, my little self found the whole concept of this, like inner exploring this inner world of like thoughts and stuff, invigorating and exciting. And, and that's why I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I love the idea of teaching meditation in, in schools and to children. And I think it's a huge shame that that it's so foreign that there's so much stigma behind it because I remember little Bradley being fascinated by this. It was like, whoa, there's a whole play place inside my head, a whole new way to look at the stuff that's going on, you know, like, I th- and I think a lot of kids would benefit from that. And I think that set me on a journey that still yeah. I'm journeying on today. Which is why I think it could be so helpful to start younger. Yes, it, 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 with anything because, because it, it's yeah. like I mean but I just especially like with our, something I, that has to do with the brain. Yeah, where, our relationship with like media and technology and stuff today, which mm, of course we talked about in our in yeah, our last episode. Yeah, yeah. If you go so long being so sort of like non-introspective about the way that you're doing anything, yeah. and it can it becomes such a deeply ingrained like. You know the neural pathways or the grooves in that brain, like mm. metaphorically speaking, are so deep. But just like the habits, then the habits you formed yeah. are so strong that by the by the time you're 25 or my God, 35, 40, which is when some people are starting to sit down and say, "Okay, I'm going to meditate." Like it is no wonder it's so hard then, because the inner outside is turned. We're not We're sure. Not sure. Really well, we well, would we have to have to do this. We don't know. No. Even for us, that's not fully clear yet. We will have to clarify inner outside. But that is not at all to say that there is such a thing as too late. Um, As we bring this podcast to a close, Sandra and I thought it'd be a great idea to share with you guys a couple of the apps and resources that we use to meditate that we fail have really helped us. Uh, One of those is, of course, as Sandra mentioned already, the Headspace app. And another great app that we've found is Waking Up by Sam Harris. Uh, Not only does the Waking Up app have daily meditations, but there are also some really, really cool, insightful conversations you can listen to there as well. We could also recommend the uh, Wim Hof Method. There's an app now on the App Store you can download there. Once again, we are not uh, supported or endorsed by any of these apps. These are just some of the resources that we've used that we can recommend. The link for these apps uh, and resources will be found in the description below. And apart from that, like always, We'd love to give a shout out to Marie for the amazing artwork and to Julian for his phenomenal work on our audio. 
For more information or to get in contact with us, please visit ioioioio.org. The link for that is also, of course, in the description. Um, we really hope you guys had a wonderful listen. We had a wonderful time recording. If there is anything you want to say, we would love to hear from you guys. Please write us a comment, write us an email. Um, yeah, all that stuff's wonderful, and it, it just it gives us that little that little boosty that, that gets us up in the morning to make more of these episodes for you guys. So yeah, once again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.